This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 622. And the quote of the day is, changing your perspective changes your experience. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 622, and we got the legend, Mr. Trevor Lawrence Jr., back on the podcast. And if you have been under a rock and don't know much about Trevor, you should check out his resume. I mean, it spans everything from Dr. Dre and Eminem, and he works frequently with Aftermath and the other side of the spectrum, Herbie Hancock, Leanne Rimes, a ton of other luminaries. He's done it all. He's played on records. He's done massive tours. He's played on movies. He's played on television shows, all sorts of stuff. The guy's resume is beyond impressive. So his knowledge, his wisdom, the things that, that he has to share anytime he talks, I listen. So this is a great episode for you to hunker down and, and get some, uh, get, get some good wisdom from the man. And I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with the legend, Mr. Trevor Lawrence Jr. Trevor, what's going on, my man? What's up, bro? Good to talk to you again, man. Nice and happy to be here, man. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm glad to have you. So, they always say it's got to be the shoes. So, I got to ask you, with right. all the shoes, if you you guys can't see it right now, but Trevor's sitting literally in front of a wall of shoes that are in individual containers for each one with glass fronts on the on the front of them. So is it the shoes? Is that the secret to your success, the shoes? Yeah, that's funny. I mean, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a retired sneakerhead, so this is the remnants. And, you know, my son wears the same size as me now, so, you know, he's going to oh, end it's up over now. everything. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have the same energy for it that I did for so many years. It's like, it's cool. I love it, but I find myself as I get older wearing the same, you know, wearing shoes three or four times a week. You know, not the same pair. Like, I mean, wearing the same pair. It's like, right? It just change. You know, it changes. It, it's 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 moved on to other areas of. You know, it used to be gear, used to be drums. Now it used to be sneakers. Now it's more firearms. You know, anything right. firearm related. I'm you know I'm up to about thirty six firearms now. That's you know, insane. and I probably have you know four or five thousand rounds. Maybe maybe a little. I think a little more than that. Maybe closer to six seven thousand rounds of ammo you know and that's we have an ammo shortage in america by the way you know it's starting to get back but last year there was a shortage so because of COVID. oh yeah it was crazy because of the the amount of people that bought so it was a gun and ammo shortage at one point but now everything's Mm. starting to get back on track you know so um and i always just you know um even though i shoot two to three times a week so you know I, i always keep a running you know stash of ammo man and uh it's been I had to stop doing competitions because they were just just too many rounds and I wasn't Hmm. prepared to lose that many rounds, you know, in a, in a situation where it wasn't easy to get, you know? 
It's crazy how COVID affected. <laughs> like I didn't even think about. I didn't even think about it at the time. But so my bike got stolen uh, last year. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go buy another bike. And I went into the store, and the guy's like, Yeah, we don't have any new bikes. They're all oh, back wow. for like nine, ten, eleven months. And then yeah, uh, and like my the like the used market for everything went up, like bikes and drums. And yeah. I, so- yeah, yeah, I sold yeah. my car. I sold my yeah. car, and it was worth seven thousand dollars more than it was. A year and a half wow. earlier, so wow. I sold that. <laughs> I yeah, was like, all right, I'll yeah, no, that. that's dope. It's just bro. crazy how it affected like the the secondary market of all these of all these things. Yeah, even like you know metal. We we had redid our bedroom, and they were like, "Yeah, we went to this furniture store, bro, and like seventy five percent of the stuff." They were like, "Yeah, we can't we can't sell it." I mean, that was on their floor. They were like, "We can't sell it because there's no knobs or there's no." railing because there's the metal issue and it was all these backed up things and they're like oh yeah our shipment's coming from china and the ship but they can't do it because people have to get vaccinated it was just crazy man yeah you know crazy it's it's not i I don't think people realize it like when you know when they go to buy a symbol or they go to buy a, a drum like what yeah. has to happen before all that before it ends up in the showroom and and how these like global markets affect you know the production of all these things and the price of those things and i know lumber went up by like by 400 percent. you know for housing yeah. and stuff like that's crazy yeah crazy yeah I think that's a good idea maybe i'll take that trip man I, I might i might do that that's a good idea i should take that trip from from blank to clap stack but take the trip from turkey show the whole process to where it's in the store that's a good yeah. idea bro that's a good i mean idea. that's like there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, because people yeah. don't really think about it. We're so used to just seeing it all shiny on the wall, and you don't think mm-hmm. about these guys that are spending seven and eight hammer hours with a hammer. You know what I'm saying? And the humidity yeah. hitting the symbol, bro. It's different, man. You know? It is. It is. <laughs> well, at least that's at Istanbul. You know, a lot of these places are just machines. You know, Istanbul does it by hand still. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How did yeah. so talking about the the clap sack? There was uh, yeah. I mean, obviously there was some stuff that that you were posting about uh, on oh, Instagram. Yeah. You you created this this yeah. It's 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 supposed to sound like a hand claps from yeah, like a sound like, like a, an LM one or it sounds like a clap with a few people or a drum machine clap eight oh eight. It's just right. it sounds like a clap. It doesn't sound like you know. There's a lot of trash sounds and gongy sounds, but this sounds like an actual clap, especially when you record it. So, you know, cause I was just, I came up in the years of, you know, I got pictures, man, being on tours, like people like Jennifer Lopez with big refrigerator racks and all that. And you have all that stuff, bro. And you get into a, a, a shed where it's super loud and you got people screaming and you got the big speakers. And it's just double triggering. I mean, it's just like right. nothing. It's, it's so, you know, then you go through all that rehearsals fine because it's not that loud. But then you got the crowd and the bass, and all of a sudden, it's claps playing when somebody's singing a piano vocal. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is this, man? So I was like, I want something I can hit at least for that sound. That's an acoustic instrument, you know, something acoustic that can make right. that sound. And you know. We got it. We got it together, man, and it and it took off and it created a lane. And uh, you know, I, I you know, we haven't really seen a new lane in drums in a long time. We saw manifestations mm-hmm. of the same thing, but not a new lane like this. So 
listen, we, you know, we know that people are going to attempt to copy stuff. You know, it took, we were surprised it took three years. We thought it was going to happen much quicker, you know? Yeah. But the issue is when you try to go say you created it. Now that's where, that's where the line, that's where it gets a little tricky. Right. So, you know, I saw what Zildjian did and I said what I said and it's like, it could have stopped there, but the internet, bro, they just, the army came out of the woodwork, bro. Cause people know better. Cause they were like, bro, what the, we all know where this came from. Why are you trying right. to right. take credit for this guy's idea? Like we all know. And then, you know, there's so many other things behind that, that, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, may or may not have affected people's decisions, but it's like, they, they know what it is. See, I, I don't, the difference with me, Nick, is that it's like, I'm thankful that I'm not beholden to any of this, this it's a, it's this, honestly, bro, it's a form of enslavement. Like mentally, there's a real heavy plantation mentality that happens at some of these big companies, especially that company. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of artists there. There's artists there that saw this happen that have had their things stolen, but they're afraid to come say anything because they don't right. want to lose their whatever, their standing what? or whatever they feel. They don't want to lose what, their you endorsements know? or something? Or Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, it's cats that literally, you know, off camera and say, oh, yeah, man, I'm with you, but they'll never say anything publicly. And I, I don't expect them to, but it's just interesting because that climate is very um reactionary is very um transactional and there's just a weird climate going on over there right now and you know what at the end of the day i don't even care about that but what i do care about is when people try to say they create idea because understand nick what we're what we're coming in society right understand we just had juneteenth the other day you know Mm -hmm. we it's like we're changing and things are becoming a little bit more um you know, uh, unveiled. So it's like this drum industry seems to always skate through the cracks, you know, with any kind of institutional racism or how they use their ad money or the deals they make for their artists of color versus other artists. All this stuff seems to get swept under the rug and it does exist. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It literally exists, man. So I think this was almost the first thing I've seen in the drum industry that resembled some sort of unveiling of the old practices. You know, there's like a very interesting club that happens with some of these companies, even if you go back in history, you know what I'm saying? So if you Mm -hmm. want to talk about, you know, people who have gotten signature products or how certain people were marketed versus other people versus the influence those people actually had, you got companies now that market people that were influenced by people more than the people that influenced them. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got people creating uh, artists. You got people that these companies that have created to found some drummer, decided to support him or her and push them to the forefront like crazy and spend a whole bunch of money getting them pushed in everybody's faces on every festival. But if you go to all music, there's no records. There's no contribution to music. There's no touring of any statute except drum clinics, right? right? So we're living in a different day now. I mean, and all that's fine. That's my big beef. I mean, that's sort of, not sort of, that is the, the, the requirement. Like if you want to come on this podcast, like Mm -hmm. you gotta have, you gotta have credits. You have to have done something, whether it's in the studio or toured or, or produced, or you have to have done something. And now there's, 
there is a big difference between the music industry and the drum industry. Yeah, and the drum industry and the social media industry. I think we're starting right. to conflate all these and we shouldn't conflate it. I think we should keep social media. It's a thing. Like, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't say that you were a social media drummer. But now we have so many instances of people that are social media drummers. I'm not even saying it's bad. It's just let's not conflate that with somebody that's a drummer that is a musician. Social media drummers, they don't have to contribute to music. They don't have to have ever done a tour. All they have to do is get likes and fans, right? And that's a real thing that does translate into money. It translates into influence for companies. So it's a real thing. I'm yeah. not saying it doesn't exist. I just don't want to. I'm not even knocking. I'm not even knocking yeah. it either. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. It's kind of like I'm not knocking it either. It's its own thing. You know what I'm like saying? Like I, I feel like if you're if you spend time every single day in the weight room and you're huge and you're like this right. big muscle guy, yeah. like but you're like people are gonna go crazy when I say this, but like you're not an athlete. You're a right. You're a, a weightlifter. A gym. Yeah, exactly. Dude, not, like you can't you know go out on the field execute is what i mean right exactly you're not going to run track you know doing that right. but the the thing about it is i re i agree with you where i'm not even saying it's bad to be a social media drummer i'm just saying for the people that spent their lives trying to be original learning their craft doing all the politics that it takes to get involved in gigs and tours and studios and do it consi i mean in records and do it consistently in different genres that's a different beast than somebody sitting up figuring out algorithms and how to tr trick them and how to, you know, be more effective on them and how to light and the smile when you're doing every post and all. That's like a more of an acting thing. It's a different thing. You right. know what I'm saying? Yep, because, yep. you know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like it's a different One, thing. I mean, th I've, I did a whole podcast about this, how I think that yeah. there's a, like there's a difference between the two. I'm not yeah. even saying one is better than the other. My, right. The concern that I always have is that people confuse the two. That's right. the That's biggest concern do. that I have. And and people are like, I want to tour and I want to work with artists or I want to produce or I want to do this. But then everything that they work on is stuff to get likes on Instagram and to show exactly. off their chops and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, That's not going to get you closer right. to, to. It's like, I don't. It's I don't know. It's like me saying that I want to get better at like you know, hitting a baseball, but like, but I just stay in the gym the whole day. No, exactly. It's like, it's not going to help what? me. Yeah. I mean, so, and I found out recently, I never knew that this thought process even existed. I found out recently that some of these younger um, artists believe that these companies are going to help them get gigs. Like they really believe mm. that drum companies have a play in getting them actual music gigs, which I didn't even know that that was even a misconception or whatever. And I've had multiple conversations and it's like, well, I got with this company because I thought they were going to help out my career. So, yeah, as far as marketing you, maybe in the drum world. But as we see, the, the clinic generation is pretty much over, you know, so it's like especially because of COVID, it became on it's on instagram now or you can you have so much access to everybody if somebody wants to go live everybody can just see them pretty much for mm -hmm. free right. so it's like it's not like you got to drive to a clinic anymore and do i mean so and just retail in general the biggest retailer we've seen is having all these different things are they going to be around are they not going to be around so the biggest retailer sorry is sweetwater i'm sorry it used to be biggest retailer you know what i'm saying which is guitar right, center right. 
So, right. you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's like, man, it's just a change going on. And like I said, like you said, I don't, it's nothing wrong with it or not wrong with it. I'm not even saying that. All I'm saying is, is that most of the time, the internet guys are not guys, or guys and gals, sorry, uh, people are not people that me personally, that I really want to personally hear play drums most of the time, you know, because mm -hmm. most of the time, it's doing what you think is going to be popular or copying this person. There's a lot of literal cloning going on. Like these people have a formula with, I'm going to sit on the drums and act as nonchalant as possible, put on a backpack, flail my hair around, play the same licks that, you know, a hundred, 200 other people are playing and people respond to that. I mean, in mm -hmm. my day, we call that biting. You know what I'm saying? That's like a rapper yeah. rapping somebody else's raps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that wasn't cool in my day, but I guess now it's cool. You know, so, you know, um, I'm old school, but I just come from people trying to have a voice on an instrument and be original. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's just everything evolves in life, man. So I'm never, I'm not going to be a bitter old guy. All those young guys suck. I'm never going to generalize anybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, there's great guys that play and I hear things say, oh, that's dope or that's clever. You know, so I, I, I think everybody should keep doing whatever it is they do that's working for them. You know, but as a choice, you know, I'm just not into that only. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm not into that as a career. I'm into mm -hmm. I'm a musician. So it's about music and making music for me, per me personally. You know, some yeah. people just want the fame and that's fine. If that's fame, if that really equates into a a lifestyle that's sustainable, cool. Yeah. You know, but um, yep. you know, so that's 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 my thought on that. And you know, regarding the clap stack, I mean, like I said, it played out very publicly because so many people had a voice about it. And, you know, I just think it was in bad taste for them to do that. Um, you know, um, and then there's a lot of other things that, that came to light as a result of that that kind of made me realize, okay, this is why it's even going down like that. So you know they're they're going through some you know some uh, changes and and changing of how things are done over there apparently because I've spoken to a lot of artists there that were there and and previously there some have left mm -hmm. and you know you know hopefully they'll get it together I mean I was there in the nineties I brought mad right. people there that are still there you know what I'm right. saying so right, right. you know when I was there in the nineties the person that runs it out here in L A was getting coffee you feel me so it's mm -hmm. like you know I I it's 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 still under the old, the oldest company, but it's just different now. That's all. It's yeah. not the same company it was. You feel me? Mm -hmm. When when you're talking about the like the younger generation that's coming up and the things that they're striving for, do you think it's a, just a matter of being misguided and not understanding what they're you know what they're doing on social media is not going to equate to what they right. want to do in their career or yeah, that, it's tough, bro. Yeah. Oh. I mean, cause I always, I use, I always use this example, but I think Nate Smith is a, is one of the, one of the great guys that everyone should look at and be like, okay, he did it the right way. He really capitalized mm -hmm. on social media, but he, before all that, he put his time in and plays his yeah, ass He's off. a real player, bro. He's a real player, bro. The, the, you know, yeah. he's a real player and yeah, I mean, dude, that's like, that's what I'm saying. That's like, I don't even look at, he's not, I don't even, believe, I don't look at him as a social media guy because he's a real player. You know, we've been on. Neither do I. It together. Just, yeah. it just so happens that he has a, you know, he has a great social media presence too. Oh, yeah. 
you and know, he makes great records, bro. I love his <laughs> last record. I love his last record. So, you know, that's the thing. He's a real one, bro. It's like, yeah, people that are real ones. I mean, like Daru, people that put mm-hmm. the time in, you know what I'm saying? That, that SNL thing, bro. I mean, I texted him right after. I said, bro, that was, was that was insane. like the closest thing I've seen to anything, you know, like the Jimi Hendrix trio. It's like, bro, that was crazy. You know, so he's a real, a real guy, like a real player, you know, and he does what he does. The thing I like about him is that he has his thing that he does and that's his voice. And he really pushes his voice. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like, I respect the hell out of that, man. And, you know, like I said, there's a handful of guys. I mean, they're, they're real players and they do the social media thing too. But the guys that have never put that other time in and felt the, the defeat and gone through all the things and the, I didn't get it and all that stuff that happens in a regular career, you know, or even audition in general, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. different. How do you, how do yeah. you, uh, I was even watching the Will Smith and Kevin Hart red table talk. It's like even in parenting, but it goes the same thing. It's like, how do you prepare your kids when they've never had to go through anything? So a lot of yeah. these social media people have never had to go through anything. How do you prepare yeah for the real world to get told no and to get told you can't play well enough and you need, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for that? You're not even allowing yourself to go through any dues. You know, we talk about paying dues. You haven't even allowed yourself to pay any dues. You feel mm-hmm. me? Yeah. So we'll I see. Think everyone, we'll, you know, everyone I think everyone wants to is... quickly get to the, uh, to being the teacher or to being the, right. you know. Right. Right. That's the other thing. Right. It's the motive too. Right. You're right. It's the same thing. It's the overnight, I just want it now. I want overnight. So if I just got to copy whatever status quo is of the week, I'm going to do that because a lot of people mm-hmm. will latch on to my version of that. And, 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 that, and listen, man, to each his own, bro. Everybody has their thing. You know what I'm saying? I think one thing that I will attribute to social media is that it allowed everybody to be a certain level on the same playing field. You know what I'm saying? It so, does level a lot the of playing the people, field. It does, man. And that's and listen, that's beautiful. So then it comes down to, okay, this got you to the audition. I'll never forget, bro. I was 19 years old. I was a big cattle call in LA over at Third Encore. I'll never forget this the rest of my life. 19 years old for in Vogue. And I got called to go. It was a cattle call. And I, and I come to find out later, it was not even a real cattle call. They kept the same band. So it was just a it was just a it was just a little bit of a hustle, but Regardless, um, why did they do that? What uh, to like shake up the band to just well, let people, them know? Like, no, nah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like there is a hustle going on for a while where people will, you know, orchestrate all these cattle calls for a fee. You know what I'm saying? And then mm. you're getting a fee to put it together, but you really already had the band. You're gonna keep the band, but you've convinced people to, you know, gotcha. you know, and that's whatever. But so this, so but dude, <laughs> I never, I, I never forget, thought of it. That's a hustle up, though. I know. Yeah, this was back in the 90s. So, and, I, and I've seen it. I saw it happen a few times during that period. But I'm not going right. to say if it was the same person or not. It may have been. But right. all I'm saying is, is that I remember the feeling of walking up to from the parking lot with my stick bag and literally seeing Modern Drummer walk up with their stick bag, too. All my heroes, all the cats that were killing <laughs> that I've been seeing for years. Are you, you coming for the same... On this shit, like, You're like all oh, the influential yeah. cats, you know, and I remember I played and it was the vibe and I knew people in the band and it was killing. And then you start thinking, oh, there's a chance I might get it, you know, because L.A. so L.A., you know. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but at the end of the day, 
they knew they was keeping the same band. But I remember I didn't even hardly sleep, bro, for like a week. Then finally I realized, like, okay, this is not going to happen. You know right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I but, always you know, say that's that, paying too. Dues. Like, every, everyone, everyone that's like, oh, I want these, you know, I want these gigs, then I say to them, okay, can you compete with Trevor Lawrence? Can you compete with Aaron Sterling? Can you compete with Nate Smith? Can you compete yeah. with Brian Fraser Moore or Lil John or any of those guys? Because that's your comp. That's yeah. the guys who are going up against you for these gigs. Not that, not that saying you know there's going to be a cattle call and Brian Fraser Moore is right. going to be one of the guys that's there. But like, right. if you don't play at that level, then your name your name doesn't even get thrown in the hat. Yeah. Well, the good thing about that for me, what I learned. I stopped, that was my, I stopped auditioning after that. I don't audition to play drums. So, right. you know, if somebody want, and, and I've left enough of a track record and, and quantifiable things to where if you want me to play, you know, you're going to hire me to play. I mean, you know, we have a sure. phone call, you know, you know, yeah. After, you know, everything's said and done and we sort it out. I mean, of course I got to come to rehearse and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying right. I'll see you at the gig. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna audition and oh, no. I just don't, no, no, I just, no, I don't rehearse I don't either. Do yeah, it's like yeah, man. No, you call me, just send me the music. I'll see you at the gig. We don't even have to meet. Like no, man. It's just I'm not doing. I'm not gonna put myself in that situation. Ever since that day, I just never. I just never. I told myself I would never do that again because, mm. like I said, it was completely pointless. It was. It was never gonna happen for anybody. Right. So. That's the whole thing. So many politics that could be at play that you'll never know about. It's like, man, I don't, I'm not going to waste my time in the emotional roller coaster of that. I said, let me just work on my stuff, man, and just just get it to where it's saturated and, and get on these records, man. And then I won't have to audition. And that ended up being what what happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's one. And I literally have phone calls, you know, throughout my career of, hey, you know, we want a new drummer. We're trying this out. We'd like to see if you can do this. And this. I say, listen, um, you know, I appreciate the call. I don't really audition. If you don't find somebody like, uh, you know, we can have a conversation, but I don't, I don't audition. Like I'm not, you know, it's like, right. If you have the track record out there, that's your audition. That your audition is that you've done this, 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 and this it's, you know, it's not by chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how do you, how you know, do you, that, if I'm sure that a lot of people are saying, okay, well, how do you get the track record without auditioning or putting, you know, putting yourself out there for people to say yes or no? For me, it's, I, I, like I said, I've never gotten a gig from audition. Um, and ironically an audition, this is even before that. So an audition happened that gave me one of the biggest relationships of my life, but nothing happened on the gig wise, you know what I'm saying? Because, Dre was gonna do Dre was gonna do an all black heavy metal band before he left Death Row. And I auditioned for that and I got it, but then we see the movie and we see what happened. It never happened. But that's where mm -hmm. we met. So that relationship became bigger than any gig and any every, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. you know, that was before even the involved thing. So what I'm saying is, is that it makes sense, you know, um, for some people, it just didn't make sense for me. I just made a decision, you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, all my gigs, bro, have been have been word of mouth pretty much or from a record. A lot of it's from record. A lot of a lot of actually, man, dude, this is crazy. I'm thinking about this right now. Most of my gigs have been from records, bro, from like meeting, playing on a record 
and the producers saying, hey, would you want to go on the road with the artist or meeting the artist doing a record? That's how me and Leanne met. Me and Leanne met in the studio doing a record. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into, oh, the energy's great. Boom, boom. It turned into working, you know, and touring together. Right. So, you know, Herbie was a referral. So that wasn't an audition, you know, that was a referral. And that was literally what we just talked about. That was literally see you at the gig. Like I literally yeah. took the show, <laughs> learned it on my own. And then we rehearsed before the first gig in Ireland, like the day before for a few hours. And that was it. And then it was two months on the road. We'll get it together. We'll get it together <laughs> as it goes on. You know That's what I'm saying? Crazy. So, you know, I mean, obviously I made sure I did my homework to where, I was ready during that rehearsal. And that's why I didn't have to take so long because they were all tight. It was just like, you know, is this guy going to be able to play enough? I mean, no, Vinny's the one who's been doing this. Is this right. going to work? You know what I'm saying? And they right. took a chance on me and I'm not going to let them down. So I'm not going to come ill prepared. You feel me? Sure. So how does know, it feel? How does it feel so, going into a gig that Vinny used to play? I mean, Vic, though, he's the nicest guy in the world, bro. So for years, you know, we've been on, records together you know up opposite you know songs mm -hmm. on record that's what happens in la so it's like you know it's great that i i was able to have the you know recordings to, to to go over and then the other thing is you know it's a vibe thing so as soon as i got there you know i hit it off so well with genus the bass player and with Lionel, it's like it was instant like bros you know what i'm saying i mean herbie already is like you know that's like family for everybody but with those right. guys it was just like an instant thing. So that just makes everything easier when everybody's cool and everything just works out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yep. you know, that, that, you know, that, that's, that's, it's, I just thought about that. Like literally every gig has been pretty much from a dang record, bro. This is actually tripping me out. Cause I never thought <laughs> about that. <laughs> wow. Cause I never, dude, I never considered myself. I've never been, my aspiration, aspirations have never been to be a touring drummer. That's just something no. that happened over time. And I enjoy it when the music's right and it's something I want to do. I don't take jobs. I don't like the music. Right. So well, I'll, what I'll were never... your aspirations when you were coming up? I've always wanted to be a songwriter and producer and session drummer. And that's still 90% gotcha. of what I've done, you know, when I look back on, on my career. The touring's right. been a small part of, of my entire career. So it's like, you know, I love it. It's fun. It's a certain energy. And I hit most of my bucket lists. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm not mad at it, but that's not been my goal. My goal has always been to make records. I love the process of making records. And as far as, yeah. especially sessions as a drummer, that's just one of my favorite processes, man, to record mm -hmm. and make sounds and just have weird stuff. And I'm always looking for weird things for drums. You know, every time I go to Nashville, bro, I come back with a whole bag of whatever's the weirdest crap I could find. And I just did it again last week. I love that, man. You know? Yeah. But so, you spend a lot of time behind the glass too, not playing drums. And, yeah. Oh and, yeah. 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 A lot of time on the computer, bro. So what, what does that, <laughs> what does that process look like? <laughs> well, you know, what? I look at it, it's like, it's funny cause I look at it like a band, but we're all on laptop rigs, you know, cause that's how we work over in Dre's world. And, you know, when I collaborate with other writers and stuff, that's usually how it is in this this day and age, right? You know, like, walk, and walk me we just through, create like, everything. Like, sorry to interrupt you. Walk walk me through like you're yeah. working with Dre on a track. Are you guys writing? Are you yeah. guys writing the beats together and then writing the songs together? Or yeah, I don't it... do any lyric stuff. That's not my world. I'm just on the music right. side. 
So usually, you know, we'll get together and we'll come up with some ideas, all of the, our crew, and then the the vocal side people and the lyricists and all them or whoever, they come in and I'm done at that point. I'm, I'm only on the music side. I'm not trying to right. stick around and put a word in in hopes of, yeah, that's corny to me. So that's not my thing. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a lyric guy and I never tried to be. Yeah, sometimes right. I've, I've you know given a word or something or whatever cuz I happen to have been there but that's just not my thing. So I'm just on the music side, bro. That's all I you know, that's that's what's what my contribution is. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. and it might not just be drums. It might not be drum programming only. It might be some keys or samples whatever. It's just we all do everything, you know, when it comes to that. So, you know, then there's times where I play drums and there's times where I play percussion, you know, on stuff, you know, all these things have happened and do happen, but it's not any one set thing. You know what I mean? We just go in there and it might be a vibe. I might have a thing of, Hey man, I, I got to put up two mics. I, I got to record this loop with this weird drum that I just found and, you know, or something like that, or, or I'll do that at home and just bring it in. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, I do a lot of stuff on my phone. Anytime I sit behind a set of drums, bro, I record them on my phone. Any drum set I've ever sat behind, I record on my phone. And later, I could turn it into a loop or just isolate the sounds, you know, whatever. I just, yeah. I'm constantly, you know, I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, but my <laughs> phone is show. like Larry Davis' little, yeah, my phone's like his little book, man. You know, he just <laughs> always got some ideas going. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the greatest shows you know, ever. Ever, ever, bro. And every season has its gems, bro. It's like every season has has some great some great ones in there, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but that's 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 basically it. I mean, I get a little bored sometimes when I've just been doing computer stuff for like three weeks, you know? I'm a player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um about nine months ago I decided I was like, you know what? Everybody kind of knows me from hip hop or playing records. I said, you know what? I'm going to do my next record is going to be my next, you know, full, like real record is going to be actually what I really started, which is I'm a jazz drummer first, like really like, and that's just, I I don't put that out there like that. So I was like, I've never really documented, you know, too many recordings like that. So it's like, let me, let me do a record like that. So that's what I'm in the middle of doing now. I'm, I'm on the back end of it now, but um my new records it's coming along really 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 good and uh it's called hidden in plain sight and um you know it's uh it's it's gonna be cool some cool features it's, it's, it's getting ready to be a cool thing so i'm just working on finishing that man and uh you know i'm excited because i don't get a chance to play like that most you know a lot of people don't yeah. ever hear me play like that you know and i got strings and all kind of stuff so that, nice. I'm excited about this project. Yeah, it's going to be a little little different from what I usually put out and stuff, you know? How do you feel about recording techniques now versus, you know, 20 years ago where every, or, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was in the room, everyone was collaborating together, you could feel the energy off of each other, and now everyone's just sending stems back and forth and putting their yeah. part over top so, of it. So I'm nearly, let's see, this is 2021. I will say, since probably 2007 or eight, maybe is when I started remote recording. So I've been on it on before it was really as popular as it is now. You know what I'm saying? So I've seen that's where it was going. We had to let internet catch up and a lot of things happen, but it's like, 
I've kind of been early in into that world. And so, you know, it's just a natural progression for me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to say it's not to me. See, the other thing is it's always possible, but it's never I'm not saying it's always the best answer. You know what I'm saying? Like I've done records of all kind of different genres, but some of those records, it's like I just wanted to be in the high ceiling of capital. It's just different. It's not that the drums would have been different. It's none of that. But I'm in a room and I got high ceilings, but it's not like some of these incredible historic rooms. So, yeah, it's a session. Obviously, they don't want to pay for that room. That's why they're sending it. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to still give the integrity to the music and change the snare drum Mm -hmm. or change whatever drum. But it's different. Yeah. Same microphones, the right pre's. Oh, that's great. It's still different. So. It's like certain things I love recording remotely, certain things definitely I'd like to be in the same room with the rhythm section, you know what I'm saying? And certain things, in my opinion, you can't record remotely. You can't record a piano trio remotely, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because if you do, there's no interaction. That means you weren't together. So how is there yeah. any interaction, right? I don't want right. to overdub you know, a jazz record. I did that once in my life for a producer who wanted me to <laughs> overdub on a, on a trio album it was like a rod stewart standards album or something and it was a very famous old school producer and i'm like bro this is cut live with a trio it doesn't matter i just want you to play the brushes over it's just like okay (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know certain things man the energy's different you know what i'm saying And my other pet not even a pet peeve but what i recommend to people is to always recut the bass if you're going to get a live drummer after he's played. Because I can play to it, play to a click all day, great. It's just something different when you put the drums, the bass with the drums. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's different. Yep. There's something that happens differently. You know, and so, because you can't, you can't see my instincts in the future. So you're going to lay a bass line. It's probably great to whatever you had there. But you can't see my instincts in the future. So it's like if I'm conforming to what the base is and the base is not going to change, I like to know that. And I'll really lock in on, okay, this is not going anywhere. So I need to lock in. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if it's a thing of it's the demo and we're starting with live drums as we build this, I always recommend, you know, play the bass over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah. That's good advice. I – I don't know. I have uh, I have this weird thing about like always wanting to be in a room recording with people. I'm also not getting called for like, you know, a ton of sessions where like I'm doing pop work or anything like that. So like most of the stuff I do, like I want everyone to be in a room. Um, yeah. But but like I did the other night, we, I was in the studio the, the other night and over the control room um, or over the, the board, there was a, a TV up there and they were playing mm-hmm. uh, that Netflix series. This is pop. And I don't know if you've okay. seen it or not, but um, yeah, I don't know if I did. So I they just came out with it. There's only been like two or three episodes out of it. The first oh, okay. one they did, was, check it out. the first one they did was on boys to men. The second one, oh. um, I think they talked about like boy bands and like in sync and all that kind of stuff. And then British mm. pop and all that. So, but while we were watching it, I sort of started to get sad. I was I was sitting in the studio watching this at the same time and it was a documentary about sort of like how music used to be great kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind mm-hmm. of like 
the vibe of the of the documentary and i was in there i was in the studio recording at the time and i was still like man like we missed like the, the golden era of music i feel like is is gone and oh, I, yeah, like that's such a different bro and i feel right. like i'm a i'm a positive optimistic person right and right. <laughs> even even saying that like i feel like i'm i'm like this old crotchety dude or something right. like that but i'm but but like i look at it and i'm like i don't i like i i feel de- it's de- it's depressing for me to even say that i feel like th- that the golden age of music is gone and like i don't well, think we're ever going to get it i back. mean dude i mean you, you know what i feel like the technology started dictating the music and that's when everything kind of changed you know what i'm saying before we were the ones that were dictating the music and then when the technology started dictating the music it just took a lot of the, the energy out because oftentimes on drives you know i turn to the old r&b station like 90s r&b on the on sirius or i'll turn to the even the classics i was listening to the soul classic station the other night and it's just amazing how you hear 10 different songs and it was completely different just different sounds completely different approaches you know, even from the same time period in the same, you know, period of music, but things were so original. You know, you hear, mm-hmm. it wasn't like you heard Earth, Wind & Fire or the Staple Singers or the Dramatics or the Spinners. None of that sounded the same. And they could have all no. came out in 1978. And it sounded completely different. And now, what it was, what is it? It's like, it's like you listen for an hour and it's literally like, somebody copy and pasted the same damn drum pattern it's like unbelievable bro it's unbelievable i mean mostly on hip-hop you know i mean it's getting a little bit you know kind of similar you know in this whole 808 trap age we're in a little bit you know but it's like dude it's just not the same animal as it used to be so i mean I, i feel like that's fact man i feel like that's 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 truth and yeah, they figured out a way to devalue music because nobody can tell you what a stream is really worth. You're gonna hear 50 different versions of that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, it's so, just you know, and like, like I said, I'm not trying to be like, you know, all depressing over here. And I mean, it, it just because it makes me sad. It's like when I, you right. know, when I grew up, I was like, it just felt like it was the greatest thing in the world to like listen get a new record and listen to what they did on the record and and hear something on the right. radio and you're like holy shit like what was that oh my god i yes. gotta go find it and now yes. it's like everything i hear is just like this it's like a manufactured beat in a box there's yep. little to no melody everything yep. snapped to the grid and it's just like yep. it's just, just that alone sterile. just that right there alone just that alone is one of the single killers of feeling in music is snapping to the grid because some people don't know that you're not really supposed to put everything to the grid so if you're looking to get a new kit you have two options one you can check out some pictures online you can go to the store you can see what they have there you can drive to another store you can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their sq2 drum configurator and this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them but you can modify everything the sizes the configuration the hardware the color 
all of that stuff, and you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 drumsystem.com or just Google Sonar SQ2. You'll find it. Check it out. The Sonar Drum Configurator. Let's go in our mental picture and listen to Billie Jean. Okay. Now, in our conscious mind, in the beginning part of our mind, when we first ingest that, it would appear that everything's locked in, right? But if you were to look at that, you would see during the course of the time, there's peaks and valleys on both bass, drums, keys, everything. Nothing is 100% perfect on that song. But when you put it all together, the push and pull is what gives you that thing that we call groove. That's what creates it, is the push and pull. It's the feel. Oh, I like the feel on the drums. Well, what does that mean? That means given the time signature, let's say 4-4, given the time signature, we like where that drummer naturally places the time of his limbs. So it doesn't mean that everything's perfect because then everybody has the same feel, right? So mm -hmm. basically, when we put everything on the grid, and note to engineers out there, by the way, if you have live drums and you put everything on the grid, you eliminate the room and overhead sound, by the way, just so you know, because overhead mics are a little higher and room mics a little farther back. So there is a little slight gap of time. So that's what gives you that inflated sound. So if you put everything on the grid, that's hitting the same time as the snare. You don't have any room or any overheads anymore. That's just an mm -hmm. engineer note. But regardless of that, the feel is what gives us the groove. So if everything's hitting exactly the same, you're just taking the groove away. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's just like, you know, at least set off something. If you're going to have the drums on the grid, at least have the bass. You know, I'm a nudger. I love nudging. So that's my thing. You know, I'm nudging stuff. You know, oh, the bass, right. let's nudge it. Let's move it back. You know, even drums, even drums. There's times that I quantize drums even, but never 100%. See, that's gotcha. the other thing. You can quantize drums 15%, 20%, still keep a little bit of the feel, but it helps clean up some of the, the human imperfections if it's, a, if it's that kind of record, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're conforming to what's already there. That part, no problem. But when you're just blindly quantizing in the first place, it all goes on about what's happening. There's no thing where I play and then I do this. No, I play and then I listen to see what's going on. That's the other thing. We're so used to seeing things, we stop listening. You know how many engineers are doing all these edits and all this crap? It's usually the younger ones, but all these things in between takes, they haven't even hit the space bar yet. How the hell are you looking at it and 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 making adjustments, bro? You haven't like even visual editing instead of audio editing. <laughs> yeah, and it's well, I can see that this one's a little late because this dude, listen to it because it might be where it sounds great being a little bit ahead in the hook. And then it sounds better on the verse being a little bit laid back. How do we know if you don't listen to it? Right. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's that technology dictating music thing. So us as producers, well, we as producers, I should say, we have to be careful that we don't allow this stuff, this emotion to leave 
the music, especially in, I mean, what we're, we're, what I'm working on, I'm just not going to be, I'm going to always be searching for where's the biggest groove and what's the best part. And I've even had to learn with myself to not try to be so perfect. Right. Even mm-hmm. when I'm playing certain things, I have to even learn with myself. I kind of like that. Like, you know, I like that little bit of a, Oh, that feels a little bit rushed, but it's going to the hook. So it felt right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. These are all things that are case by case basis, bro. So, you know, um, it's just it's just interesting, bro, where we're going. I feel like, you know, first we had our live period, then we had our electric period, then we started meshing them, and now the electric is leading the live. So we've done like a 360 as far as how we make music. Cause remember, in the 80s, all the people that they call themselves now producers, a lot of them would be called programmers and be getting paid session fees in the 80s. Right. You know, but that started changing with hip hop. And I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people were the ones that created the whole energy and then somebody else would capitalize off of that. So mm. I agree with that change. But the other thing is you got to understand that, you know, um, the roles have changed too. the titles, the roles have changed. You know what I'm saying? A lot of pe- a lot of engineers I'm finding now, I see a lot of engineers are tasked with cutting vocals and bro that's the producer's job yeah the engineer is doing the the physical work but a lot of these quote-unquote producers leave the room they're not at the session the the engineer is sitting there doing all the vocals and cutting them telling them do it again and getting edits and all that and then the producer comes back and says yeah look at this record i produced and the engineer gets his little fee the producer gets paid forever i mean listen it's a different role Right. Yeah, that's a different role. Roles have changed, bro, over the time. So, you know, nothing's right or wrong. If that's what they agreed to, that's what they agreed to. But the roles have changed. But the one thing that hasn't changed, regardless of technology, regardless of roles, regardless of anything, the one thing that hasn't changed is what happens when you press play. If you press play and it moves you, then that's however you got there doesn't matter. Right. That's the only thing that matters is what happens when you press play. So that's why I'm not an old guy like all these young guys or whatever. No, because I see how my kids react to these songs and how certain songs make them feel. They did something right. You know what I'm saying? They did something right. That's what I was going to ask, too. It's like, well, I mean, people obviously still love new music that's coming out and dance to it. I'm kind of like, what are they dancing to? I guess they're like dancing to like this quantized well, <laughs> and it's a weird thing even with that i mean because think about <laughs> even the evolution of that think of the evolution of dancing back in the day how did you find the new dance they were doing it in a movie they were doing it on american bandstand they were doing it on soul train and you knew okay that's the dance of the era now me and you can leave this thing and go make a little weird dance on tiktok and it might go viral and next thing you know that's the dance that the whole country or world is doing. Yeah. So everything is being driven by technology now. So it's like it's just a different. It's just a different era, man. It's I mean, look at much that. More visual. Look at that dude. That song that everyone dances on Instagram right now. The one that's like, "Wow, you can really dance." Have you seen that? Right. And I'm then just, the other I one. I haven't seen it, but I've seen. I get and it. It's like 
some song that came out whatever 10 years ago but now it's like everyone dances right. to this song on instagram and i'm like and it makes it go crazy right it's like yeah. that's how people can launch songs i mean i think that's how old town road got popular you know what i'm saying mm. it's like it got popular on instagram you know and then the whole thing happened and billy ray cyrus got on it but i mean i, I think my daughter was telling me originally i think that's where he got popular yeah. you know same with same with the country artists the the African-American country artist, Kane Brown. He got popular on Instagram, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, or on a whole nother world, that's how they that's how they bought on them tickets for that Trump rally in Oklahoma so they could not show up and let it be empty. Instagram. Oh, no, sorry. Not Instagram. All the things I'm talking about, I meant TikTok. I'm sorry. God, not Instagram, right. TikTok. So, yeah. So, um, that, so, I'm just saying, man, it's like this technology is moved in and you know, whoever thought musicians would be talking about algorithms, bro? I know. It's like, that's not, we're, we're not scientists, bro. We're trying to make music. But now, oh, I want to trip the algorithms. I need to put this out so I can activate the algorithm so I can put this out. We never had to think like that before, bro. Yeah. We're just in there trying to create music, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. And now, I mean, I was reading an article the other day about breaking records on TikTok or breaking songs on TikTok, like like we were just talking about. Like they'll they'll get the song into the hands of an influencer and have them play it, yep. or or have it added to someone's Spotify playlist or something like that. Like that's nothing new. It's just interesting. Right. The world because right. before you needed to get on radio and now you need to get on TikTok. And well, here's the funny thing about that. So you know what's funny about that? Remember. Doing what you just said on radio is illegal. It's not illegal to do that on digital. Remember, payola yeah. has always been illegal. It's always been but illegal. When yeah. it comes to digital and the, the 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 once again, the roles have changed. I'm an influencer. Okay, cool. Well, can I give you something to do something to this record? Or can I feature on this? Or can I give you a trip to this? Or can I do that? Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah. But if you say that to a DJ, you might be going to jail. <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting how, once again, the roles have changed, but we're getting the same kind of, you know, things happening. It's just, it's just, everything's different, bro. This technology is just too, it just changed too much, bro. It's like, it's just different. The old mm -hmm. days, just the time it took, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have nothing else to do, but go in the studio with other people and, and, and be social and sometimes something would luckily happen. You know what I'm saying? And we caught it yeah. on tape. That's not happening anymore. It's very, uh, it doesn't happen as much. You know, it's very, boom, this time, this, you got this much time, we're going to do this, boom, this and that. You know, I did 90% of it at home. I'm just going to have you play. It's just, bro, it's just different, man. Different yeah. day. Not good or bad, just different, you know? Yeah. I wanted to go back to the way it was. That's my take. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Like I like, there's a, there's a lot of new stuff that has come out though that I really, that I really like. So I'm not like, yeah, I'm not knocking right, that. Right. It's just, I, I like, I, I think that music is communal and you should be, everyone should be doing it in the same room together. That's the only part right, that right, I, right. you know, like you don't see right. like bands, you know, there's not a lot of bands that are coming out anymore. It's just artists with right. tracks, right. right. You know, right. And I like, it's true. I like, I like the band environment. That's all. Oh, dude. I, one of my favorite records, I got my daughters practicing to it now, is Evil Empire. And mm -hmm. if I'm yeah. not mistaken, Great I record. think that was recorded at a at Cole Rehearsal Studios or something and then mixed was later. It? I think think that was a story I heard. But, you know, but just the way that record is, bro, it's just, 
it's a classic, you know, and I was like early, early nineties. And it's like, mm -hmm. bro, that record is, that's just sonically and everything. That's one of my favorite, like kind of rock hip hop records of all time, bro, because every song is crazy. And then at that time you had a, a kind of new on the scene Tom Morello. So all the scratching and transforming on the guitar wasn't really done before that record. So mm -hmm. that was new, you know what I'm saying? And just, the way you know Zach was rapping, and the way that you know, it just—it was just a thing, and you just couldn't get that if everybody was doing it separately, bro. That was—you're yeah. never gonna get the feeling of that record if you were in separate places, bro. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, that is, I mean so, that, and that you can listen to it now, and it's timeless. Like it sounds just yeah. as good as it did in ninety. Would it come out ninety four? Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, ninety four. Yep, ninety four. I remember I was on tour back then and I was another tour that came from a session. See <laughs> that? Funny. I, I, I remember listening to that record on the train in Tokyo and I was just like, yo, this is crazy. Or on the bullet train or something. I was just like, yo, this is, oh, I think it was a CD Walkman at the time. I'm like, bro, this is, this record is incredible, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, yeah, no, those are the good all day. I haven't had that feeling in a long time, bro. Yeah. Hear a record and be like, said probably since Pimp a Butterfly, probably. Yeah, Pimp a, a Butterfly record. was one of those. Yeah, there hasn't been too many of those cover to covers that just had me floored. Like, so been a couple of jazz things I really, really like, you know. But um, it's just, you know, it's just different, bro. It's different. Mm -hmm. And we we also went to that. Remember, we also got into that single mindset too. So everybody doesn't have that album mindset as much. It's just about individual songs because that's how they're presented to us you know on right. the social media so we've kind of gotten away from the body of work thing it's rare you know that if somebody's taking that chance there's so many farm outs and send it here 89 producers this person don't never know the other person here i've never met this person but they're on five songs on my album i mean you know the music sounds like that sometimes too yeah. you know what i mean a lot it's just different but once again different not good or bad just different yeah, I mean, I was amazed. I know that you posted uh, maybe a week or two ago about the latest Eminem record, the music music to be murdered by, uh, just yeah. got two billion streams, which is insane. Uh, and I was going yeah. through like I I I'm a huge Eminem fan, so every record that comes right. out, I, I jump on it as soon as it came, comes out. Um, right. And but I was looking at the credits of that one, and it's like it's amazing how many people worked on that record, you know, or any oh, record. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, usually, it, right. I mean, that's true. That's the thing also I've seen. I mean, it just didn't seem like back in the day, there were just so many people on song, one song, bro. You know, and so a lot of times what people don't Why know is, is that? You might, well, a lot of times what people don't know nowadays is when you see, see credits, a lot of times you'll see the credits of all the people that wrote whatever samples li looped in with the current, with the, with the songwriters too. So you gotcha. might see like 20 writers, but that's because you got two pieces of samples in there and it had, you know, and all their names get listed as well. You know what I'm saying? So gotcha. sometimes that's it, but you know, I mean, there's still collaboration has always been going on. So, you know, it's like, like I said, I mean, everybody kind of has their crew and, you know, M has his squad and his people that he deals with. And then we have our crew, you know, he'll come out and rock with us like he did on both of those records. And, you know, um, it was amazing to have two records in one year. I got to be honest. They were both surprises. So, you know, yeah. the fact that they came out both in one year, it tripped me out because I was like, I was at NAMM, you know, and I literally got a call from Rolling Stone at NAMM. And then I'm like, 
hello? They're like, yeah, I want to interview about the new Eminem record that just came out. I said, what? And I went to Instagram <laughs> and it had come out. And I said, oh, damn, I didn't know it dropped. <laughs> you said, what um, Eminem record? And then, yeah. And then in December, I'm sitting in my room and I looked on social media and one of our guides is like, congrats to the squad. And then, what happened? And I saw the, the cover was slightly different. And I went, oh, wow, two more songs. Beautiful, you know. So, um, you know, that's something that happens a lot, bro. I, you know, there's, I got a song coming out on a record next month that's probably been two years, you know, and I, it's just like, this is how it is now, bro. It's like, you mm -hmm. just never know. You know what I mean? You yeah. got all these songs. Back in the day, see, back in the day, our thing was placements. That was our whole thing. I'm trying to get placements, man. I'm trying to get placements. So, yeah, you get into the mix and you start writing songs with a whole bunch of people. Those are really your placements. But you never know if or when none of that crap's ever going to come out, bro. So yeah. it's like you might be sitting up somewhere just like In the Heights, for instance. In the Heights, bro, I think I did that 2017 or something, bro. You know, and, and, and I got a call from the composer probably a few weeks before the – a few days before the soundtrack came out, you know, telling me. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I literally did not remember that that happened. So I was like, okay, what songs did I play on again? And then I went back and I was like, wow, dude, this is crazy. I didn't even remember that. I remember doing something, but sometimes the other thing is when you're doing stuff, there might not be a name attached to it yet. So I might just be recording right. songs. I don't know. The same thing with Suicide Squad. I went in with the, with the composer and I'm just playing all this drum stuff and whatever. He couldn't really say what the movie was. So in my mind, I had no idea, you know, so... I knew it was it was uh it was a DC, but I didn't know what it was. So right. probably two movies came out before then. And I thought this was it, and then I was like, "Nah, that's not it." And then when that came out, I didn't even pay attention. And then I saw one of my little statement things, and I was like, "Oh, it was Suicide Squad." That's where all that stuff was going. So you know, it's not always what people think. You might be doing a session, bro. I only know what I need to know. I, I'm not asking questions about all that. I mean, you know. Usually I'll find out some part of the way or I'll find out before, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> concept of like working on something. Then five years later it comes out and. Like okay. Said, so like, oh, I forgot. About we that. have to talk about this. So this is something that I really want to talk about to you and mention, because this is something that I've really seen as a problem for us as musicians. And, and I'm going to say, especially drummers, but I'm going to say musicians. I don't know, and I'm still not able to figure out, ask people, nobody can give me a straight answer on whose, I, whose job description it is to make sure credits are right for musicians on movies. This is why I say that. Almost every movie I've ever been a part of, there's been some issue with the credit. And I'm not talking about just for me. I'm talking about for whole groups of musicians that might have done sessions or just songs that have been written that have all the information there, but one writer's left off. It's just unbelievable. And I just, it's so, it happens so many times, but there's no, because here's the thing. I wouldn't be as adamant about this if on the converse of that, conversely, I've never seen a, a driver or a catering company or a, a personal security for an actor. Their names are always there. So how come you can always get catering right and you can always get, you know, craft services right for security, 
the driver, the valet for the driver of the security of the artist. Right, you can right. get all these things together consistently. But when it comes to the musicians, oh, 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 sorry, our fault. It's a problem. We made a mistake. And so that's a systemic thing. It's nothing personal. It's not the people that hired you. It's not the composers. It's not nothing like that. It's not personal. But there's a systemic thing of, well, we got the union. Supposedly, you guys are going to be on everybody's head about proper wages and proper this. But then you don't make sure that they get proper credit. There's nothing isn't that in the, place. Isn't that, is that, isn't that the music supervisor's job? Well, unfortunately, man, I'm going to tell you what happens. That is, it's their responsibility and it's used, It's going to be practice for them. They're going to have to to report that information just in basic interactions. It's the film side because a lot of the times they turn everything in. Music supervisors do what they're supposed to do. I just went through that literally with a, a movie that came out not too long ago and I won't mention it because there's nothing wrong with the people did. But you feel like that, like, man, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, why is my name not here? But then you realize, no, I turned everything in. It's the movie people. And it's like, dude, whose job is it on that side, the final side of credit? Because this is a systemic, consistent issue with TV and film with regards to musicians. And it's like, dude, I wouldn't have any care if it was like those other things weren't always on point, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you're not going to really have a reason to have catering if you don't have music in the movie because every movie has music in it. So when they right. decide to do the mu movie, they decide to do who's the director and they decide the actors and they're going to decide the composer, right? So how is it that you can get every actor, every CG person that ever sat in front of a screen to do any amount of work on a film? Some of these big Blockbusters might have 500 different people listed for CGI. CGI in New Zealand, CGI team Tokyo, CGI right, team right. here. Everybody's <laughs> on there. But when it comes to the musicians, nothing. Most of the time. Or dr dramatically. Yo, bro, listen. I've been looking at this for years. And I don't do that many movies, but I've done a good amount. And I got to say about 70% get it wrong. And it's not coming from the contractors that hired us or the music supervisors. This is on the other side. And I just can't get anybody to even tell me whose job is it to make sure that stuff is accurate. Does it, does it benefit them to not include the musicians? No, it doesn't. I don't think it hurts them at all. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't, you know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I don't think it hurts them at all. I mean, same thing with extras. I mean, listen, extras get don't really get props, really. I don't believe that I yeah. even have a credit on Dolomite. I don't think I have a credit on Dolomite, bro. And I'm in it clear as day, but I don't think I have a credit on it. You, you are? I'm saying? It's like, yeah, not that I'm... Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in Dolomite, bro. You got to check me out, man. I'm playing drums <laughs> I behind Eddie. That. I got a wig on, though. I got a <laughs> wig and some glasses on, and my beard was long. Yeah, so... But what I'm oh, saying man, is, is I that I, 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 I go may have gotten... Me. I may have gotten the credit. I can't. I don't think so. It definitely doesn't come up on the the IMDb stuff. And not that I'm trying to have a career as an actor, but all I'm saying is, is that there is a transaction that has to happen, right? You call the person, either the actor, the musician, whatever. You call them, you book them, okay? They do their service, you pay them. So you've had 
upwards of five interactions with people, but then you forget them when it comes to the credit, which helps them get more of these things. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a huge help. I don't get it. Huge help, man. It's a huge help to a musician for their credits to be right. You know, straight out of Compton, I had a song in the movie. It's the song was on the album that came out. How do you not have the credits right in the movie? I don't understand that, bro. All you got to do is right there. It's like all around you. Why would you incorrectly do it, right? So this is, it's a bigger problem. And I still haven't even found out what's the job title of the person that has to make sure these credits are good. Because that that's needs to wild, be addressed. Man. The union, yeah, the union, they don't, they, that that's just as important for a musician as them making fair practices with the wages, bro. That's just as important, man. You yeah, know? I agree. So I, I just, you know, that's a, I've talked to other musicians and producers and, and we've all shared this in common and it happens way more times than not, man. You know? I don't know. I I have, like, so I'm trying I would have thought, like I said, I would have thought it was a music supervisor, but from there, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of times they do their business. They they're they're champions for musicians, bro. They you know that's what called yeah, in the first place. So they don't they want you to win. It's the it's the other side that it just somehow gets omitted. Like oh, and it's like almost like if you're in doubt, nobody even tries to ask. You know, it's just like oh, we yeah. forgot. But what did you? Try to ask, or but you got the valet driver of this, you know, the guy, the jack. You got the jacket holder over here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. But the guy, or it's like woman in store number six to get to this moment. Yeah, exactly. Or the guy that worked his whole life to get to this position to add his creative thing to make this movie what it is on the song on the music level to help contribute to that journey and that vision of the composer, you forget that guy, but yeah, you got the guy that, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, bro. I mean, and you know, maybe it'll never change, but I'm, I'm hoping that there's a way we can figure out if enough of us speak up on it, a way to make that happen because they, they mention all the people that they feel are important to mention. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's a reason why that's consistently like that. You know what I'm saying? They're never going to forget publishing information on a song they've used in the movie. They're always going to have the publishing company. But what about the people that wrote the song? Why did you, how do you mess that up? You see what I'm saying? So, you know, well, if you, interesting, if bro, you figure it out, thing. I want to know because yeah. now I'm interested in. Yeah, we'll have another, another, we'll have another podcast, bro. I'm swear to you, I'm looking to figure that, to try to find it, like to, Matter of fact, I'm going to talk to a good friend of mine who's a clearance guy, one of the bigger guys that gets clearances for movies. And I'm going to ask him because he, he, he's a former exec at one of the companies. I'm going to ask him, dude, because this is a big thing that's been happening for years, man. And it just continues to happen. And you get huge movies and then your name's not on it, bro. Like yeah, blockbuster right. movies. That's that's, right. That sucks, bro. That sucks, man. It's like yeah. you worked all this time. That can help you get so many other things, bro. It's like, and your name's not there. It sucks, man. Yep. I, I'd be pissed. So, too. you know. Well, figure, yeah, that's what figure it out project. and let me know because I want to know. Yeah. I want to form a doggone union of that. <laughs> Let's get together. Like we got we to gotta get something in place for that, man, because like we're it. underrepresented, man. And 
yeah, you know, but the union's going to still, they still send me dues statements for 20 cents. I mean, it's something that's just not making sense here, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. man. But, you know, it's all good, man. I mean, I you know, I, I appreciate talking to you, man. I mean, you know. Always. Anytime you want to rap, bro. Yeah, anytime you want to rap, bro. For sure. So, what's the best way? What's the best way people can keep uh, track of what you're doing, and they know when the record's coming out and all that? I uh, just my Instagram, uh, Trevor Lawrence Jr. I, uh, I, you know, I don't. I stopped posting as much as I used to. I took a lot of stuff down, and I kind of started the year fresh. So, I, you know, I post, I post a good amount of stuff. I don't, you know, I, I, I have a for my firearm stuff. I have a separate Instagram, which is Drum Pimp Tactical. You know, but for all my regular life stuff and music stuff, I'll post on my Trevor Lawrence Jr. You know, um, I have a website, TrevorLawrenceJr.com. It's, it's grossly out of, not updated, so I need to update that. But, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, when a record starts coming out, absolutely, it'll be on my Instagram and, you know, probably Twitter, which is uh, at Trev Beats and uh, my, my Facebook. Uh, I'm not super active on Facebook, but, you know, I'm mostly, my traffic's usually Instagram, you know. Okay. So, uh, but I, it's it's coming along great, man. I'm very happy about it. It's sounding amazing. So, I'll be very happy to drop it, which would definitely be this summer, you know. So, should be coming out sometime in August. So, um, well, I'm excited you know, about hearing it, man. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, for it's sure. gonna be fun, bro. Yeah, absolutely. But I appreciate you, bro. You know, anytime. Uh, now we got something else to talk about because I'm gonna figure that other thing out, bro. I'm gonna figure it Good. out. So we'll talk well, about that another time. <laughs> well, keep me posted, and I appreciate you coming back on yep. the podcast. It's always great to chat with you, man. Do you, you know, all of your, all of your wisdom and and all the things you've done over the years. I I always appreciate you coming on and, and talking about it. So thank you, man. Uh, be oh, safe. No, appreciate keep you doing what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, I need to shout out. I got to shout out one thing to all my companies that I've been with for years. Um, DW Remo, um, and now Istanbul Agap. Uh, always thank them for their support. And I've just now joined uh, Innovative uh, Percussion Drumsticks. And uh, I just want to say, ironically, man, I was out there visiting with them in Nashville. And it turns out the CEO is the guy that signed me to Remo when I was 15 years old. And I hadn't really? seen him in 32 years. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in about a good 30 years. So the the reason I'm saying that is because for all the young people coming up, you know, you may or may not have bought my book about endorsements, you know, pocket guide to uh, a musician's pocket guide to endorsements of uh, volume two actually is, is the one that's current. Um, you never know, bro, how these people are going to move around and who you might see later in life or so it always pays to be good and honest and friendly with people and keep your word because these people are in this industry and they move around. So, you never want to leave a bad impression with somebody because you never know when you're going to see them again. So mm-hmm. that's all I wanted to mention. You know what I mean? That's just a little mm-hmm. word of advice, you know? I, you, you never know who you're going to run into again, or what, as they say, be nice on the way yeah. up because you might have to pass people on the way down. <laughs> Absolutely. Or see them passing you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trev, you know, my man, I appreciate around you. you actually. Yeah. What's bro. that? All good, man. No, I said they might be walking around you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's falling down. Let me let me go over here. He was not nice to me. But yeah, man, no, it's always fun to talk, man. And, uh, you know, 
I'll be getting at you, bro, too, about, you know, maybe starting some podcast stuff on my own. But regardless of that, we can always chat, man. And, uh, you know, I'm always here to, to rap, bro. And I always, I'll keep you posted and stuff, you know, stuff that's going on. I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm always around. So let me know. Yeah, man. There you have it, the one, the only Trevor Lawrence Jr. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 622. And also, while you're there, you can sign up for the mailing list. And the entire website is brand new, so it's easy to navigate, easy to navigate on mobile, all that sort of stuff. So sign up for the mailing list. I send out an email every Friday just with some industry news and the latest podcast release and what's coming out next week on the podcast and things like that. So if you want to check it out, just go to drummersresource.com. You can sign up for the mailing list there. And other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com. <laughs>